I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey all you betting adventurers, my name's James and welcome back to another episode of the 9to5ADV podcast where we talk affordable and accessible adventure bike riding. With me, as usual, is my co-host Ross. Hi James, I am very happy this week because I finally got my WR sorted. You did. I hope you're going to insert some of that like studio, like yay. Oh the fanfare. Yeah, not a fanfare, that's like a... (laughs) (laughs) We can do that, but I want something inserted there anyway. But yeah, no, finally sorted. Um, So that's had a really good service, valve clearances all checked, coolant changed, New brake pads, new rear tire, new inner tube, everything. It's great, and it's running like a dream. Running like oh, a brand new bike. Well, not quite, but yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. I mean, it's still sixteen years old, so it's it's not quite a a brand new one. But for uh, for a bike that owes me fifteen hundred quid, I'm I'm pretty chuffed with it. Same can't quite be said for uh, for our good friend Colin, though, can it? <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he sort of attempted to follow suit when I bought my WR. And uh, he he managed to pick up a a YZ250 for not a lot more than than I paid for the WR, and it came with a trailer, and um, it'd been sat in some guy's garage for for ages, and um, yeah, unfortunately, it's been a little bit problematic. But he has ordered, well, I think it's arrived now, uh, uh, not a new but a new old carb for it, so that should sort the um, the fuel leak issue. I think he had said it was something to do with the float in the the carb sticking and yeah you know, i pulled up to the cafe on fuel sunday morning and and got off the bike and it was a little oily yeah, on the wet, floor wet itself it wasn't oil <laughs> it's fuel i know um <laughs> how many lanes did he uh did he did he do half 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 of one lane well we, yeah because <laughs> no, we got him up one didn't we oh, yeah. so it was quite a tricky one to start with and i think he stalled the bike and then couldn't get a kick because because it was flooding itself so we got it to the top of that lane and then um, it stalled again, and uh, I sent him home. <laughs> I, didn't send, I didn't send him home. I said, I think it would probably be better if you went back to the car now rather than running out of fuel and breaking down, you know, halfway down one of Devon's green lanes. It was, yeah, it was definitely for the better. Yeah, so, but no, he's, he's ordered a, a new car for it, so hopefully that will solve the issue and he'll be able to come out because he's put a lot of effort into getting that road road registered. It's actually quite interesting, something we could maybe talk about because um, it is a motocross bike that he has taken from completely competition use, um, like no V5, nothing with it, to now fully legitimately road legal number plate. Um, he's put lights on it. He's had an MOT done on it. 
insured it and um so that's quite quite interesting actually that you can you can do that with a competition bike yeah sounds good and so we, yeah we went out hold on i've had a, i had a trend of thought then and it's all gone i you had a really it. good i had a segue into this week's topic um did you i did about how we were out on sunday and it's getting cold and it's getting cold and muddy and and you don't want to be stuck i can't remember what it was never mind never mind this week's topic is going to be winter adventure riding off-road on-road everything, everything in between ride your bike yeah um why are you putting away your big girl's blouse get it out i know ride it so many people and the reason that we're doing this topic is because on the tenere 700 forum that i uh frequent occasionally uh one of the threads was winterizing my tenere 700 and i thought oh this is this is what for storage or for riding well i thought it was for riding and or maybe he's going to put some like you know the little thread the little metal nobles in his tires oh and, yeah cool. you know i'm thinking this is this is ice cool. bike no it was uh taking the battery out and draining and, it of all yeah. fluid, <laughs> putting it on life support I thought, oh, yeah what are these which people? is fair you know if i've bought a brand new fireblade sp or a r1m or you know a panigale or something completely get it why would you take a bike like that out on the road when it's minging out but come on it's a tenere yeah this is the best time of year to be riding it absolutely but um yeah we'll come on to that later yeah what's going on in the adventure bike world this week uh well unfortunately harley davidson seems to have uh allowed their whatever their monstrosity is called pan america that's been spotted in the wild um there's a bike that should be hunted to extinction well we should should I've got to give Harley we, the benefit of the doubt. Should we? Yeah. Um, I don't know yet. It's um, it's a foul looking thing. I don't know. I, seeing seeing the shots of it in a car park, it doesn't look as horrendous as it has done. Okay. I mean, when they first showed a picture of it in some woods or whatever in the dirt, it looks terrible. On the road, it doesn't look quite so bad um i mean it still looks bad let's face it i'm um, just googling it as we speak just to <laughs> <laughs> just to remind myself i thought oh maybe i haven't seen it recently maybe it looks no it looks just as bad and i think you're being very kind james fair play i am and this is the thing it's harley's got a strange way of doing things and this feels this definitely feels like a styling exercise more than a practical exercise, which mm. when it comes to an adventure bike, the isn't the round to do things. I would personally have, style, personally have said... It's not a very good styling exercise, um, isn't it? <laughs> there we go. Um, quote from Motorcycle News. Harley's VP of Styling and Design oh, told right. MCN that the intention was to create a two-wheeled Jeep that moved away from the insectoid styling employed by Japanese and European manufacturers. I think they should sack him. Um, it's such a strange concept because it looks like a Honda Pan-European, but someone's stuck knobbly tyres and spoke, spoke wheels on it. It sort of reminds me, there's a game that came out recently with the chap from The Walking Dead. Right. Um, oh, um... You you have a backpack on and you you've carry got a, a baby. baby or something. Yeah. It looks like the sort of bike from that game, that kind of like a hundred years in the future dystopian kind of what <laughs> they kind of reimagined an adventure bike would look like then. But then for some reason it's got a massive V twin in it rather than being powered by 
hydrogen I or mean, electricity or something. How heavy do you think this thing's going to be? I reckon two seven five. It's got to be. Got, it's it's got to be between two fifty and three hundred. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, there's nothing that I can think has been designed practically. You mean the, it's got a bash plate at the front? Fantastic, good job. But then it's got all of the pipes and what looks like the catalytic converter just right on yeah. the very bottom of the bike. And the exposed. tank doesn't look like it's really been designed with standing up in mind. I mean, it's got this big crease. Anyway, hey-ho. We'll see. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's going to be fantastic. I, I when I was writing notes, I, I've come up with the perfect analogy for who's going to be buying this bike. And it's going to be... It's a, pan Euro, a Honda Pan-European for ageing blokes. Mm. No sexism. But ageing blokes who they need a Pan-European, but they don't want to... They don't want to admit that they want a pan-European. Well, they can't buy one anyway anymore, so... Well, there you go, then. It's the new pan-European. It is. I mean, it's just so... Uh, just admit it's it, never going to be... Buy the new Goldwing. Yeah. Fantastic bike. Yeah. You know, but... Anyway, hey-ho. Um, and then, bef- just one more thing before we get into the main topic. So, if you're big on social media and you follow a few motorcycle enthusiasts uh, slash influencers like ourselves... Then, um, so so basically, um, you may uh, I I sort of heard of these guys before. I mean, at the end of the day, like most people, I use Muck Off for chain loop. Yeah, and, and they're just like the default, almost, aren't they? They're the, they're the go-to. There's a brand uh, company called True Tension. They create chain lube and chain cleaner, and they do actually a really cool like chain slack tool, which I'd not I'd seen like before. So a few a few things, basically a little peek behind the curtain for you folks um when a brand particularly a, a newer brand or a brand that doesn't have a huge following like like muck off for example and they want to promote their product they'll go out to to sort of influencers and people with mm. a big following and say hey here's you know here we'll, we'll send you out you want to be an ambassador we'll send you out some free product you've got to post it and show it in your story and and on your feed uh, you can get a discount code so your followers can get a discount when they order through you. Rock and roll, off you go. And and so people will get free stuff. Then they will put pictures of it up, and and that and it that grows the brand, doesn't it? It grows the brand, but yeah. exactly in a slightly um, more like organic feeling way than uh, than the brand itself just sponsoring loads of ads. Mm, exactly. And so we so we uh, were lucky enough to to actually have been asked to join their ambassador program. Uh, I've been sent chain lube and chain cleaner and a chain brush. We aren't gonna rep brands that we don't believe in. Mm. If we end up getting a huge following and we get loads of people asking to rep their products, then we want to make sure that we're only, you know, recommending yeah stuff the that stuff we, that we stuff that we would pay, happily pay money for. Exactly. Um, Even if we're getting it for free, we would like to you know feel like okay but if i wasn't getting this for free would i still buy it precisely so i'm gonna we're gonna try it out see if it's any good we'll probably i guess what we'll do is uh probably do like some sort of comparison thing with the equivalent muck off stuff yeah i'm not you know i'm not sure how you know it's it's chain cleaner and chain lube but it's kind of a no but does a job they they claim it's better don't they so we'll see and if if we like it then then you'll you will see it but um yeah just basically to say that we, you know, we're not just gonna take whatever product someone chucks at us and and, and rep it. 
Yeah. Which I'm sure you guys have figured out by now because we, we have mentioned this. Unless it's KTM. If KTM get in touch and say, yeah, we'll give you free bikes. I mean, I wouldn't say no. Yeah, even if I didn't. I mean, like I wouldn't say no if Ass gave us a free bike. I would. Mm. I would take it. We'd ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that'll do. Main topic tonight then. Tonight, this morning, this afternoon. Whatever time you're tonight listening. Tonight for folks. us. Late nights with James and Ross. Anyway. Hello talk. Anyway. Uh winter adventure riding then. So like we said, we're not uh we're not talking about getting your bike ready for winter in terms of hibernating it for the for the rest of the the year. We're talking about getting out and using it. Um and I think there's probably no better place to start than talking about how we're actually gonna prepare our bikes for the, the cold, dark months ahead. Yeah, definitely. So what got just before we jump in, it was winter that actually was when we started trail riding. Yeah, that's and true. this is and it's made and made us realize how fun winter adventure riding is. Um, but it's not quite so cut and dry as just going out. We went out with I was out with my road kit and my road helmet, and yeah, it's not quite as easy. Yeah, you learn, um, though, don't you? You learn exactly. And these are this is obviously just what we've picked up. So, as Ross was saying, the the bike is 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 the first thing that you should probably probably look at as we are heading into these sort of colder wetter uh months as the weather goes south they're going to start gritting roads as soon as we get you know frost yeah exactly um and, the grit comes out and, road salt and it is a biker's not worst night nightmare i'm sure there are worse things like people on their phones in their car uh but <laughs> grit salt and grit on the roads is a nightmare and especially if you've got an adventure bike Everyone that's got spoke wheels knows that spokes are a pain in the ass. Unless you've spent an absolute fortune on some really expensive stainless wheels, which most people haven't. So uh, a good practice at this time of year is to basically coat the bike in some form of bike protectant. Um, Most people will know uh, the brand ACF50. Yeah, that's the stuff I've used for, for years. I mean... Most most brands do their own kind of what they claim is an equivalent, and right enough, I've never tested them all back to back. But from years of commuting through winter on motorbikes, all I can say is that yeah, ACF fifty definitely works. Mm-hmm. And if you've if you've not used it before, basically you spray it on, obviously not on discs and brakes and those sorts of areas, <laughs> but um, anything where friction is key. Yeah, but but basically everything else, and it will it will coat the bike in a thin in a thin film. You can spray it on your engine casings, plastics, your spokes, plastics, the works. All your electronic, all your electrical connections and stuff, all of those things. That Yeah. yeah. What you'll find is that um, if you've got a bike that you like to look pristine, it, it does make the bike look a bit dull and a bit mm. not super shiny. But the trade-off is you are getting a protected bike. Yeah. And the idea is that that will stay on. You might want to, you know, reapply couple of times depending on how often you're cleaning the bike but the idea is that it goes on it creates that protective layer to stop corrosion and then after you've used the bike all you need to do is just give it a give rinse. it a rinse yeah. and it'll go back in the garage and it's more or less fine then isn't it's it? more or less fine yeah i mean some people acf 50 all through the year i don't i tend to find that i i will sort of coming into these months hmm. but because we do so much trail riding i usually clean off my bike after every yeah every ride when we get muddy anyway yeah uh, and especially if you're going to be trail riding through winter, you'll find you'll be doing the same. But just on those road sections, that is a big help. 
Yeah, definitely. And then other things, I guess, just in terms of preparing the bike for winter, is that your tyres, just make sure they've got plenty of life in them. It's more important than ever, especially on the road, that your, um, well, I suppose off-road as well, that your tyres have got plenty of tread. If you're on, especially on a, a normal road tyre as opposed to a kind of a, a knobbly, um, you want to make sure that they can dis- disperse water properly on the road. Um, you know, if you've got, if your tread's looking a bit low, um, it's probably the time to, to put some fresh rubber on it for winter. Um, yeah, yeah, winter's a good time to to get new rubber on but obviously bear in mind that while you scrub it scrubbing your tires if you're scrubbing them in in winter <laughs> it's a bit hairier bit hairier so just just be careful with that and again if you are going to be riding off-road then the trails are going to be muddier and slippier so as you found out last weekend as i found your, last, your rear tire yeah. is getting pretty low isn't it and uh, that's going to need changing sort of asap really it's 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 quite funny actually so my um rail z tire my rear we're on about four thousand miles now and it's getting to the end of its life it's surprising it's still doing hill climbs um and still taking the bike up them when it uh, plods along fine anytime you open up the throttle especially on anything semi-slippy it just fishtails which is yeah. a hell of a lot well, of fun put you in a hedge um, though, didn't it it did put me in a hedge um the problem is that the sides of the tire have still got quite a lot of life in mm. them so anything that isn't flat and is sort of semi-rutted that the tire can grab onto a bit of mud it will grab and grabbing grip. The, si- the sides of the tire and then <laughs> it's le- yeah it's quite a fun experience but um yeah. not one that it's i quite, quite fancy doing again so i i'm gonna put a new rear put on. A new tire on it. yeah <laughs> absolutely other things as well you know you might want to consider looking at like a like a small wind deflector if you're doing road riding um, yeah. especially if you're going to be doing any kind of winter touring uh you can get the little sort of spoilers that just helps with uh, with the wind chill which we'll talk about in a minute and hand guards as well hand guards heated grips yeah yeah e- even even trail riding i mean the the big thing with trail riding is that weather wise even on the coldest days you warm up really quickly but getting yeah. to and from where you want to go between, yeah you can get you can, you get, can, fairly cold, you can get fairly cold and especially if you're going through puddles and getting wet yeah heat grips can make Hell it's just a, a lovely, just yeah, one last, one less thing to kind of distract you because mm. when you've got freezing cold hands, it does draw your attention away from what you should be doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and you might be lucky enough that your bike's got some aftermarket heated seats and things you can purchase. So, yeah, my Tiger so, had heated seats. Yeah, so I miss those. Exactly, bollock warmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else you think? No, I don't think so. Really, for, in terms of winter prep, it's just yeah. I mean, obviously the 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 normal stuff goes of, you know making sure that everything's lubricated properly and things i mean lubricants on the chain and stuff are probably more important than ever because there is going to be more muck and stuff around mm-hmm. um, and you might want to switch over to a wet lube if yeah. you've been using a dry lube through summer switch over to a wet lube and then you have to clean the chain off more frequently yeah um because it will attract dirt but which you may want to use uh true tension you products. might want to try true tension <laughs> i mean it might be useless but we'll see <laughs> we'll let you know so yeah so then I think if we look, first of all, James, at kind of road riding, because mm-hmm. I still think regardless of how much stuff people do off-road, people are still going to be doing a lot of miles on the road, and I think the prep is slightly different um, for both, personally. Yeah. Generally, uh, road riding is a relatively sort of sedentary activity. You're not moving around all that much on the bike, especially in winter. It's not like you're going to be hanging off the bike and, <laughs> you know, well, you should, you should move a little bit. You know what I mean? You're not going to be absolutely riding hell for leather like you may be in the summer um so it's gonna be relatively sedentary you're not going to be generating that much heat yourself um you're also gonna be riding at higher speeds 
which is going to make things feel colder. It's amazing how cold you can get in a short period of time. Yeah, so I did a little bit of uh, research before this. I was quite interested about it because we, we people will have heard of wind chill and um, you know the idea that the ambient temperature outside can be X, but depending on how fast you're going, you can take away like a certain number of degrees Celsius um, per like depending on how fast you're going and the faster you're going the colder it feels so um i found out that if you're doing if it's 10 degrees out so Which sort of like a almost normal out. autumn we're pretty much out of the morning at the moment exactly the yeah so 10 degrees it's chilly but not freezing if you're traveling at 70 miles an hour i.e sat on the motorway um it will feel like four degrees out drop the temperature to five degrees outside on the same motorway journey suddenly it feels like minus four and if you get out in the morning, there's a frost and it is zero degrees on the motorway at 70 miles an hour, it'll feel like minus 11. Jeez. Um, Winter gloves then. Yeah. <laughs> With them muffler, them little muffler handguards, they look oh, like pretty a, enticing. Like uh, commuters and uh, yeah, couriers yeah, in yeah. London have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, but stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> insulation is key, you know, if you're going to mm-hmm. be riding in the winter, especially on like more open roads, on dual carriageways, or if you want to try and go touring. Yeah. And there's no point trying to be big and... Oh, yeah, like, oh, no, I'm harder than the cold. Yeah, cause, because at the end of the day, it affects your concentration and... Yeah, which which increases your reaction times and... Yeah, and um, your risk of having an accident. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's incredibly, incredibly warm. Incredibly important, important to, stay, to warm. stay warm. Yeah, so the, the main thing you do warm. that with is, is you... Well, we've said a little bit about modifying your bike, maybe with easy grips and seats and more wind protection on the bike but for me the most important thing is what you're wearing um and that comes down to making sure that you've got a reasonably decent insulated windproof and waterproof jacket mm-hmm. um it doesn't have to be the most expensive Gore-Tex one in the world you know I mean Gore-Tex is great it does last longer it's more waterproof than cheaper ones but equally if you don't want to stretch to that like a good sort of unbranded waterproof jacket will still work normally they'll have a thermal liner in them um and then below that just make sure you're up you're wearing kind of fleece and stuff. I try and avoid really bulky items. You see some people like putting on massive thick fleeces and stuff. The problem with that is by the time you, you layer everything up, um, you can barely move. Yeah, you move <laughs> so like, like, like a Michelin man. So try and stick to like um, relatively thin layers that are still going like, to give you give you some sort of warmth and then make sure that you, the, the outer um, shell is as windproof as possible. Yeah. I mean, Adventure Spec do... So I've not used it, but their 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 idea behind their advent their kit. I don't know if you you may or may not have seen it. If you haven't, I'd recommend you check out the website just to have a look at. Mm. And they they believe in this whole idea of of layering, like you said, Ross. So their kit is designed with your you know you've got your thermal base, and then you have your jacket, and then you have your you know you've got your sort of Baltic jacket over the top, and then you have a a waterproof jacket over just the top of that. Though. Yeah, and that all comes from like it's, it's an ethos that's used in like mountaineering and climbing. Mm-hmm. always has been and motorcyclists have been really slow on the uptake for that mm. it's always been like get this big thick heavy mega jacket um yeah. and just wear that and yeah like, well, what do i do when i get hot yeah i mean layering is much more important when you're you know changing it up and trail riding and off-road riding yeah. but in terms of just general containing the heat you know having the layers is a mm-hmm. makes it makes, makes much more of a difference than a t-shirt and like you said just a just your thermal you know your, your padded jacket yeah uh one other thing i'd say on the road massive thing is spend some time especially if you're going for a longer ride if you're going 
pop into the shops and who cares if you get the chili if you're going for like an hour's ride spend an extra five minutes eliminating any gaps in your clothing between like your waist and your jacket your cuffs and your gloves your neck um just layer and overlap things as much. i mean i tend to sounds silly but i tend to like tuck my thermal layer into my underpants <laughs> first and then i put my fleece over the top of my underpants and then i put my bike trousers over the top of my fleece so it's kind of like base layer pants fleece trousers motorcycle jacket and it's all layered up and then like no wind can get through that at all mm. the worst thing is if you're on the motorway and like and it just kind of creeps open and you get that little bit of skin showing and you there's no way you're going to close that gap when you're riding on the motorway it's the worst and like because my road gloves are like gauntlet gloves so they over, yeah. they go over the jacket which are ideal for winter riding you don't want like short short gloves, short gloves. No. but when you're riding along and you've and and yeah, then a the little gap wrong. opens up and then you get that chilled air right up your jacket and it's air just, conditioning isn't it, it? Just, it just yeah the whole system it just goes to yeah goes to nothing so, so spend a bit of time just yeah before you set off make sure everything's in place it's my uh my advice for road riding off road riding i think is, is slightly different like i said for road riding uh, whilst you don't want to be super bulky like i said as a general rule you just want to be nice and warm so you just want a lot like nice insulation insulating layers mm. Your temperature isn't going to change hugely. No, and it's for, only going to go wind, down. Wind chill. Really. Yeah. So it's never going to increase. It's always going to gradually decrease as you ride. Off-road riding is completely different. You're likely to have a relatively chilly start to your ride because you're going to be riding from your house. Unless you're lucky to have trails literally on your doorstep, you're going to be riding probably 20 minutes or so mm-hmm. from your house in town out to the trails um, where you could be quite cold. You're then going to get to the first trail start riding and anybody that's ridden off road knows how um kind of demand physically demanding it is and you will be sweating within seconds i think the big one for me here is is gloves yes uh, gloves can make a you know having hot, cold fingers and cold hands mm. is is one of the biggest distractions in, in riding so i will always ride to where i'm going for the trails you know in the winter with my set of road gloves yeah, and then I'll chuck them in my backpack or in my tank bag. Yeah, yeah. And I, then I've got a set of. We've both got the same it's set like of like motocross gloves, almost. Yeah, they? motocross gloves that are really light. They're not waterproof. No. They will just, you know, you go through a puddle and you're getting wet. You, your hands are going to get. But you've wet. got really good dexterity with them, and yeah, generally my hands don't get cold when I'm actually laning. Exactly, because you've, the blood flows so so good, and you're using your hands so much on the clutch and brakes that mm-hmm. that they're not getting cold. Yeah, it's when you stop and in if, between. Isn't if it? it's freezing cold and you've got like your road gloves on, these thick, yeah. <laughs> trying to then stand up, you, you know, feather no. the clutch, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Work, and also, your road so. gloves are going to get soaked as well. You're, they'll get soaked inside, yeah, and then and then taking them off take and them on. on and off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. So, um, a set of lightweight gloves for when you're doing the trail riding. And then a set of road gloves. Even if it's just a super, some super cheap ones. I mean, Oxford do a set of like winter gloves that I think 30, 40 quid. Mm-hmm. They're waterproof. They're warm. They, they're they not the nicest, like most dexterous road riding gloves in the world. But yeah, if they're to get you to and from the trails, perfect. Nothing ruins a Sunday morning trail ride in the winter than then riding home. Oh, yeah, and I've done it. In like zero degrees with soaking wet. Yeah, absolutely. If we go back to this layering system uh, we, idea we're talking about, because again, I think for off-road... It makes so much sense because you can ride to the trail in your nice warm gear. You could have maybe even like a thin down jacket or a synthetic insulated jacket on underneath your your outer shell. Mm-hmm. You can then get to the trails, take that out, pop 
stuff that into a you know the size of a tennis ball or something chuck it in your backpack tank bag or whatever and then ride one thing i see a lot of people make mistake of though is with their base layer they've got you know expensive down jacket nice fleece lovely like rucker or whatever outer layer and then they're wearing a t-shirt like mm-hmm. a triumph t-shirt or something or a cotton t-shirt at the bottom of that and you've basically undone all the hard work of your amazing layering system because um cotton is the one material that just loves to hang on to moisture the, mo- the most the moisture you're going to get is going to come from sweat which is grim but and cotton does not wick away at all it just holds on to moisture so you're basically holding cold water next to your skin um so instead like make sure your base layer whether it's a t-shirt or not is either made of wool or nylon or polyester something that's wicking just a normal even if it's just like a normal sports t-shirt you know um that's gonna be better than than your normal cotton one yeah and we're not we're not suggesting you change your layers on trousers because that's not gonna that's no. not gonna work <laughs> no you're, you're just you're, gonna have to your bottom half tends to not get as d- doesn't vary in temperature not, quite not as much. at all i mean i tend to wear my i've got my um like my over my motorcycle over trousers which are waterproof mm-hmm. armored etc and then i tend to wear depending on how cold it is either a thin or a slightly thicker wool woolen um, yeah. like long john that's what i'm wearing at the moment when we go out i think right now we've <laughs> 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 got long johns on james i've got the heating on <laughs> but yeah you're completely right the legs don't tend to overheat them as no. much and even if they do just deal with it it's not as, it's not as uncomfortable as you think <laughs> stripped under your pants yeah um yeah all the all that layering is going to come come on your top half yeah and then just experiment with it yourself you know try try different combinations of of, of jackets and fleeces if you're lucky enough to have them and mm-hmm. um but if not as a general rule i would say yeah synthetic or wool thermal thin thermal base layer a thin fleece some form of like insulation so either a synthetic one like primal off that kind of thing or a down one and then a shell some sort of windproof waterproof shell over the top Mm-hmm. Um, ideally one with some armor in it because we are still riding motorcycles yeah and then just one real quick point uh is your helmet oh you, yeah i forgot you about really fog up in, yeah in the winter especially yeah, you know if you've if you've just got a visor so when i again like i said when i started i was in a um in a road helmet you got your visor down and you're panting away you've got to have your visor down because if you're riding with someone else you don't want stones in your eye so yeah, you're riding I took along a, a trail. massive stone in my goggles the other day behind yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it literally would have taken my eye out. And you're panting away and you've got, you know, cold outside and warm, moist air coming out your mouth. It doesn't take long for that to fog up. So yeah, having... Well, a road riding helmet doesn't allow for the air to circulate properly, does it? Like a like an off-road helmet does. Exactly. So you, you, need, you need to invest in a lid that you can wear with, with a, set, a set of goggles, ideally. Nine to five official recommendation is the Bell MX Nine with MIPS technology. It's brilliant. Oh, it's a great helmet, though. All joking aside, fantastic helmet for the for the money. We've sort of spoken about it before, haven't we? But yeah, it, it's it's an awesome bit of kit for relatively little outlay. Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted the Shoei Hornet. Yeah, that's um, like the Gucci offer, offering, isn't it? But why spend that kind of money on a lid that you might? have to replace when you come off at five miles an hour into a hedge and dink your head on yeah. a on a rock it's sort of unnecessary protection isn't it then because, exactly you know if you're green lading you're probably not doing 70 miles an hour hopefully <laughs> <laughs> so moving on then tips for for actual riding now we've, we've, mm. we've covered um prep and 
and what to what wear, to wear and, yeah and so actual actual riding on the road again first of all uh we've mentioned with with tires you're obviously you're gonna have less grip um as you, as it gets colder as it gets wetter it's going to take longer for your tires to to warm up as well it's mm-hmm. something we haven't talked yeah. about on the pod before but obviously when you ride your tires will uh will warm up the pressures inside the air pressure inside will increase the heat will make them softer give them more grip yeah well all tires yeah all tires are designed to work at a certain like optimal heat and pressure yeah and that would be differ depending on the the content of the tire but absolutely the colder it is the harder it is for those tires to get up to operating temperature obviously a wet road as well means that your tires are going to be working harder to displace that water through yeah. the treads so making sure you have a decent set of tires on is is key but it also means that you've got to be planning further ahead when you're riding you, yeah you know this is we're te- not teaching you to suck eggs here you probably all know this but you know in worse conditions you've got longer stopping distances well, and reduced visibility as well yeah it's, it's not just that your bike physically takes longer to stop it's that it's genuinely just harder to see the hazard yeah because you might have a, a visor covered in raindrops. We don't have windscreen wipers. We don't have heaters to like demist our goggles for us. So, you know, you might be a little bit fogged up. You might have rain covering your helmet. Um, and yeah, you've obviously just got to ride to, to those conditions. Yeah. And if you ride, you will know through your years of riding, everyone's done it. Mm. Come off on a drain cover in the wet, come off on a um, painted road line. They are the they're the worst yeah they're not so bad in this i mean abroad they are an absolute nightmare in spain and stuff it's ridiculous it's like they paint their roads with grease but um it's not so bad here but yeah they're still not as not as grippy as uh as the actual tarmac and we've got and obviously in this country as well especially around devon and rural areas we've got farmers and things well um, this is this is a big thing i mean if you're adventure riding even if you're just road adventure riding the chances are you you're going to be doing the less beaten yeah. tracks and if you are off-road riding you the chances are you'll be going on roads through you know around farms that are going to be covered in mud and slurry mud and and, yeah, and and for me i don't i don't know about you but for me sometimes i'm more twitchy on on the tarmac that's got crap on it than, oh 100 than in the dirt yeah the dirt the thing is on the dirt you're the the, the kind of the breakaway into um a slide tends to be very, very progressive mm-hmm. and feels very, very controllable. It's com- the complete opposite on the road. On the mm. road, it's grip, 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 grip. Suddenly, zero grip. There's no like nice breaking into a slide on the road. It's like it's just oh crap! Suddenly, I have no traction, um, and that's very frightening. Not to mention the fact that if you then do come off, the damage it's going to do to yourself and your bike is going to be ten times what it is on dirt. And these newfangled bikes that, that people keep talking about, they've mm. got um, all these electronic rider aids, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, you've got none of that on the T7, have you, boy? No. You've got ABS, though, right? Yes. And do you tend to, because obviously you switch that off when you're on the trails, do you tend to switch it back on for the road sections or? Not really. No, just because no. it's a, a, too much effort. Yeah. If it's, if the, Should you? Do you think you should? For anything longer than... Five between minutes. the trails yes especially right. if it's ra- if it's raining um there have been a few times especially like on the way home if the weather's mm. been a bit naff i've stopped and turned it back on again yeah because especially with off-road tires they're they're brilliant on dirt but mm. they are awful on wet roads aren't yeah. they? yeah 
and the whether it's the tires or the bike but i find that the abs is really sensitive on the t7 yeah it comes in quite quickly i would hazard a guess on your bike it's the tires Mm -hmm. i would think um because if the abs is cutting in it's because they're losing grip yeah so um but yeah so so a lot of um modern bikes they will like james said have have riding modes and um you know don't be ashamed to use them if you've got them why not they're there to help you they're not there to um save you from every eventuality they don't make you invulnerable um but ultimately rider modes are on your bike as a safety net um so if you've got traction control um and certainly if you've got adjustable levels of traction control why not put it in Mm -hmm. a more intrusive mode um things like the new suzuki v-strom has um various levels of abs even so put it in the more helpful mode yeah i remember when the when i had the tiger so the the rain mode on the tiger Mm. it didn't limit the throttle per se it doesn't it doesn't limit limit the power is what you mean it, it just limits the response that you yeah. will get from it. It, it softens it. it. Exactly. It means you're less twitchy. Yeah. Again, it increases the th- the traction control on the EBS, so yeah. it, it comes in earlier. The chances are you won't use it, but it's there for a reason. Yeah, well, why not? I mean, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to put it in it. Some people will lo- love to go, oh, I have so much control over my bike. I'm in control at all times. It's like, yeah, okay, great, until you're in a hedge and you think, oh, I wonder if I would have crashed there if I had have had the abs on yeah i mean there's this is the thing i mean you get new bikes these days that have got like 20 levels of yeah traction control tweakage and 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 stuff and at what point does it stop being useful and start being a gimmick but at the end of the day they are the electronic aids are there to be used don't spend all that money on the bike and not use yeah exactly and switch them all off i mean yeah just treat them as a safety net they should be there in the background if they need to cut in brilliant they've saved you if they don't cut in great it doesn't matter because you you were clearly riding so well that you weren't relying on them which mm. is perfect and if you haven't got those aids hence uh, yeah. example t7 or an older machine you've got to think think like that computer so yeah softer on on and off the throttle softer on the brakes which of course means you have to like you said be thinking more about your yeah. braking it's just trying to be really smooth and progressive with all the controls and i think that's that's true whether you've got rider aids or not, just because you've got rider aids doesn't mean you should ride ham-fistedly um, <laughs> yeah. and just be like, oh, we'll stuff it, the bike will look after me. Because, well, A, where's the fun in that? That's yeah, just not good riding. And, and B, if you do then ever get on a bike that <laughs> doesn't, you're going to come unstuck pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, definitely if you haven't got electronic safety aids on your bike, just be super smooth on every single input. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you should be all right. Yeah, off-road then. So This is the fun bit. This is the fun bit. And this is... This is the best time of year to be trail riding. I love autumn. Like autumn especially is absolutely banging. There's so many reasons. I mean, a big one for me is that the trails are quieter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I've got anything against people using the trails. They're there to be used by everyone. Yeah. But, but it's just it's easier for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. You you know, you don't want to come around a corner and, and you know, run over someone's dog or or scare a horse or yeah yeah um, absolutely and 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 most of the time the trails are much much less used yeah especially in an early on a sunday morning that is like prime yeah yeah prime prime trail riding time but the big thing is they're muddy it's good fun and they're generally less they're less overgrown than the summer yes which is a massive yeah. thing but i think they look beautiful i absolutely love autumn i love all the leaves i love the the site we were riding along one the other day through the woods and you and matt were in front of me and the 
it was just the entire trail was just covered in golden brown leaves and they were flying up in the air over <laughs> i just thought oh that's it just looked brilliant yeah no it is it is great i cannot yeah less dust yes so you filter your air filter and your lungs yeah <laughs> your yeah. Uh, your own air filter yeah <laughs> true yeah. but you're going to get plastered in mud which can lead to your radiator yeah that's true overheating but it, you have less grip that's the big thing unless you're on gravel or whatever the the trails will be will be slippier much slippier yeah which i find more fun i do because i think part of the yeah the fun of road of off-road riding is the fact that you get to exceed the limits of grip mm-hmm. and in the winter that limit of grip is a lower so you can have fun at a slower speed and it's also more progressive mm-hmm. um it's a great time to learn having the back to sort of power slide out. the bike a little bit yeah exactly. absolutely because it doesn't take much even when you're going in a straight line all you need to do is twist the throttle Just get on the bit. gas yeah yeah and it will lose the grip and start to to wobble around and yeah. it, you know it, it will it will stay in place it's not mm. gonna you know it's not gonna chuck you over unless you freak out and yeah do something crazy but it's a great time to start learning learning that and that makes such a difference yeah. when you get back on the road because as a road rider if the back wheel starts to slip you think this is it i'm dead i'm dead <laughs> whereas yeah. if you've been riding on a off-road it's it's just it's just another day <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and also if it does happen on the road then you you are more confident to take it in under control because yeah what you don't want is to give it a handful of brakes when that starts to slip you yeah, wanna, snap the throttle shut or something yeah you want to yeah. be able to keep get that back under control yeah so i mean ultimately you know i mean like we said it's, it's great fun to be power sliding the bike around but in terms of making like efficient safe progress off-road mm-hmm. the same applies as on the roads in terms of being like dead progressive with all the controls um including the throttle although it's like great fun to like churn up every, out of every corner and go uh wheel spinning up the lane a it's not very nice for the lane because you cause damage yeah um but also yeah you're not you're just like not in that much control but the the main one is your brakes mm-hmm. off-road especially if you've obviously well especially if obviously you're ideally going to turn off all your abs systems um, and if you just ham-fistedly grab a handful, especially front brake, you're going down pretty quick because <laughs> <that, laughs> the front will just tuck, which, yeah. which can be quite exciting. Yeah. Another big one is 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 there's going to be muddy puddles. That's the best bit. I absolutely you love. So we went out on Sunday and there were it had been hammering it down the day before on the Saturday all day, absolutely hammering it down. And then Sunday was perfect. Yeah. Cool but dry after it's been after it had been raining and oh my goodness there were some muddy puddles yeah i went through one and then you flew and flew across on the on the right on my right hand side um got the front wheel in the air a little bit so that it came down right in the puddle and i got absolutely drenched yeah it might sound horrible it's not it is it's just a lot of fun it is a lot of fun (laughs) it's the closest i think you can get as a grown man to being three again in one of those kind of like all-in-one waterproof suits with your wellies on and your hood yeah. up, just jumping in puddles and just not caring. Yeah. Um, it's it's that just unadulterated joy of, uh-huh. of just getting uh-huh. filthy. And it, it's, oh, it's a tricky one because on the one hand, uh, you know, we would recommend this and everyone would recommend this. You know, you should take these things carefully and wade through and check the depth and mm-hmm. make sure there's nothing that's going to catch you off guard but um on the other hand if you know the trails 
and you ride them regularly and, and you are confident i mean we how often do we yeah i mean it depends i, mean, I think if it's smaller puddles then yeah you can go through that. i think when you get the big trail wide ones and you can mm-hmm. and you go okay i can i genuinely well, have no idea what there was a, one... how deep that is and b what could be in it because this is the thing it doesn't matter how often you ride a trail they're they they, they change they all change. the time yeah we went well we went through one on sunday matt where matt was ahead and mm. he stopped and then i went through it and it was a little bit deeper than i was expecting exactly it to be. i mean we all got through on all the bikes yeah. even on the two on the 250 but it was it was deep yeah and and you've got to be careful then because unless you just really don't care about your bike that you do run a very real risk of causing your your bikes some pretty significant damage if you mess this up hmm. i mean adventure bikes is bikes in general are are good you know to a certain extent they are designed to go through this they have air filters that are high up on yep. the bike and the exhausts are high up oh, on and the it's bike absolutely astonishing what an adventure bike or, or an off-road bike can get through yeah you know you watch them coming through and you can be up to your headlight mm-hmm. um, in water and no problem at all yeah the problem comes if you stop or you fall off fall off or, if you, or if you yeah if you misjudge the with depth. that with that engine still running yes yeah so i think like my my top my tips for if you go if you are riding through something deep especially on a trail you don't know um do do for goodness sake go in depth check it um and i've definitely done it myself um when i've been riding a new trail you just go you've got to go and walk into it ideally find a stick because then you don't have to get quite as wet yourself but ultimately don't not go in because you're worried about getting wet because it's like well you are definitely going to get wet anyway when you ride through that. So just walk through it. Um, and then that gives you a really good idea of how uh, deep that water is going to be on your bike. And obviously you want to just make sure that that maximum depth is lower than wherever the air intake is on your bike. Yeah. Going into it, don't go flying into the puddle at 40 miles an hour. You'll probably fall off. That's the thing. Because water is, yeah. when you hit it water fast, it slows you down pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, if you fly into it, you just risk going over the bars. Yeah. And even even on small puddles, you'll be, you know, you'll soon learn how amazing the braking force of water, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. The key is, I think, the key is steady. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping a steady pace. It's it's better to have have the momentum, but ev- you will slow down. So you don't want to go in hard. You want to go in with a with a pace. Yeah, yeah. And prepared to to, to pick that that pace up that pace as you go yeah because you'll slow down and you want to then put the throttle back on so you yeah. get back to that pace i think you want to be sort of holding a steady speed of somewhere between like five and ten miles an hour you want to try and generate that little bit of a bow wave mm-hmm. um because then the water rises and is deepest at the front of your bike and it actually gives you sl- like a slightly shallower bit of water just to the side of the bike yeah um around the exhaust and the airbox. Um, and then you just want to try and, yeah, like you said, keep that constant speed. But in order to keep that constant speed, you will need to be gradually increasing your throttle input as the water gets deeper. Yeah. And then, yeah, hopefully cover the clutch, because if you do need to pick your engine revs up very slightly, you can feather your clutch ever so slightly just to keep the revs up and stop it from completely bogging down. Um, and yeah, don't stop. Perfect. Ideally, stay stood up as well, I'd say. You don't really want to be dragging your feet around, flopping them around because a you're just causing more drag. You're less steady, um, but at the very least, just stay stay seated. If you need to dab slightly, maybe, but I I would try and avoid wading through if that makes sense. Yes, with your feet out. Yeah, like you said, it will it creates more drag. If you drop a foot down on the left, it's gonna and it's, it's gonna, gonna pull the bike gonna, to the left. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, being up on the pegs 
as as well because chances are you'll go through a puddle and there will be a rock or something yeah. that you'll bounce your front wheel off being up on the pegs it makes it so much easier to yeah. just to just mitigate that and get the bike back on back on track yeah so so there you go if you do think the bike is about to go over or you realize you have made a mistake and this is a lot deeper than you thought <laughs> and you realize you are about to flood your bike get that engine killed as soon as possible that's why you have a kill switch just hit it yeah um the last thing you want to do is have the bike go over with the engine running and it breathe in a load of water um because then you're going to be well then it's tools out plugs out the bike trying to turn dirt bikes upside down to pour water out of them doing that in uh zero degrees when you're soaking wet because you've had to wade the bike out of a puddle exactly not going to be a lot of fun not fun Um, if that does happen whatever you do don't start the bike Mm mm-hmm um you yeah i mean if you don't know what you're doing i would say just try and get the bike back to the road and get it recovered <laughs> to, to a garage ultimately you know uh if you do know what you're doing and you've got the right tools then by all means you know you can you can take it apart and, and pump the water out yeah but uh don't just try and pick the bike up out the puddle and uh and thumb the starter because you can uh well if you try and compress water which is fairly uncom- uncompressible you'll uh you'll have a problem in your hands <laughs> <laughs> But don't be scared. Yeah, don't let, that, don't let it, yeah, don't let that put you off. We've never had an issue. Like, no. Even close to that. No. Yeah. Get out. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. You're going to get wet and muddy. So if, you've, if you're traveling a long way home, yeah, maybe chuck in something dry in your backpack. You yeah. know, like I said, with gloves, uh, the gloves are a big one. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you get water in your boots and, and whatnot, you can't. There's not a lot you can do about that. But the, you about that, caught but the layers on your core, yeah, it might be worth having a spare fleece or, a, like we said, like maybe a down jacket or something to, to chuck on at the end of the day. Yeah. For the ride home. And then get it home, give it a rinse, get give yourself out. a rinse. Yeah. And go yeah. back out next Sunday. But there you go. Um, speaking of winter adventure riding, though, uh, now we've told you all how to do it, we will be launching um by the time this podcast goes out we will have uh have this launched and ready for a pre-sign up we are doing our first winter adventure challenge event thank you that's what i'm going to put in that's the fanfare i'll put in back at the beginning Mm, exactly so what it is basically is 100 days so the so the 100 days of winter starting on the 1st of december I know winter doesn't start until the 21st of December, but... We're calling it the 1st of December. Yeah. 100 challenges. Now, these challenges will range from, you know, just simple things like ride 50 miles, ride 100 miles, take a picture of your bike, mm. up to things like, you know, ride a section of the Trans-Euro Trail. Ride to Norcap and back. No, oh. not that. The idea is that everyone... Accessible. Exce- sorry. Exactly. Yes. Exce- <laughs> accessible. So... The idea is that in theory, anyone, if you pass your test, if you pass your test on the 30th of November. Pass your test? Yeah. If you pass your test on the 30th of November, Mm. you could, in theory, complete all these challenges. You don't have, what I'm saying is you don't have to be a, it's not a skill-based event. You could do it on a CBT It's a. You could sorry, you could do it on a CBT. Yeah, it's a part of. Let's not exclude learner riders, James. Sorry. It is all about getting out using your bike yeah interacting with 
other riders that are that are also out using their bikes keeping the community going uh, stopping you putting your your bike in the garage for the winter basically ultimately yeah absolutely. ultimately um so yeah these challenges will basically the idea is that you'll come you'll complete them you submit them back into us you get awarded points uh and then at the end of it we will have uh have some prizes as well if you know the sheer joy of of you know joining in isn't isn't, isn't, isn't good isn't enough, enough for you um you we need some extrinsic motivation exactly so we've we've we're uh we're in the process of getting Google some goodies. getting some some sponsors to give us some goodies uh we'll also be buying some as well and then the idea is that the more points you get the more entries you will get and we will basically raffle them all off yeah um so that as long as you have taken part to an extent you'll have a, a chance of winning exactly the more you take part the more that the more chances you'll get did yamaha um, get back to you in the end about the tenere they were going to donate not yet no still no but it was one. but it's very positive very positive very positive first prize yeah tenere 700 yeah so um, you, but you're going to get james's tenere 700 he's going to have the new one <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've heard it here folks we'll see yamaha we'll see. might send us a hat that would be good wouldn't it that'd be great anything yamaha Me. um we are the 22nd most popular automotive podcast this week on in the world <laughs> in the uk I was only in the UK. Only in the UK. Oh, James, every time this gets worse. He said, text me the other day, oh, we're the 20 second podcast. I was like, what? The 20 second most popular podcast what, on iTunes? He's like, no, in the automotive category. I was like, oh, well, that's still pretty good. Turns out now, in, <laughs> in the UK, in Devon. That's still very good. In Timmouth. <laughs> anyway, back to the event. Um, we'll be doing leaderboards every week so that there's, you know, there'll be a healthy bit of competition going on. There'll be a private Facebook group uh, for all the all the people that are taking part. Exclusive access. You're going to get a sticker. Oh well, I mean, now I now I've got to join. And it's only going to cost five pounds. Five pounds. Five pounds for all of this. That is unbelievable value, James. Which I literally uh, can't thinking, believe that. Think, thinking about the um, quickly change at ten pounds. Well, <laughs> if this is a success, then we will increase the price for next year. But <laughs> the, well, no, because I've been thinking about this. The the um, if I was to lay out all my costs, mm. in theory, if if people complete all one hundred challenges, mm. I have to receive and log and put on the spreadsheet and put on the leaderboard a hundred challenges per, per entry. Oh, please. Can as many so, people join this as possible just to make James's life as miserable as possible? Plus I have the costs of stickers and postage. And mm. so it's, it's not, it's sort it's of like the, the more people that take part at the moment, the worse value <laughs> it becomes for you. For me, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so we're, we're, we're doing this as a, you know, we're, we're chucking in all the, all the work, you mm. know, um, we hope it, is it, it ends up being a good event um and you guys enjoy it if you want to sign up obviously uh if it does take off then we will obviously expand it and and try and make it bigger and better as we yeah um you know we'll do winter ones we'll do summer ones we'll, you know one day maybe yamaha will give us a tenery 700 to give away maybe That's the dream maybe <laughs> but um i may i haven't decided yet i may have limited place i may do limited places mm. um i may not i haven't decided and you haven't decided whether you're going to actually help me log these challenges no i told you it was a stupid <laughs> idea from the start i'm having nothing to do with it <laughs> so yeah as of um 
at the time this when this goes out i will have the pre-sign up form ready on the website so you can go on there sign up get yourselves all paid up and registered uh, so that on the 1st of december you can get cracking and get adventuring and speaking of keep adventuring everyone because that is an hour of podcast that i've got to edit you have a great week you bye. too guys bye bye mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.